My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. Welcome to the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace, and um, I'm excited to get into the word that I have for you today. Um, This has to do with the word that I feel like the Lord has put on my heart for 2024. And, you know, you might see a lot of people this time of year posting things and saying things that they feel like the Lord is saying to them in 2024. And I just want to encourage you, don't uh, don't despise any of those things because a lot of times what, what that is, is people, um, they're just sharing what the Lord's putting on their heart. And, uh, you know, a lot of it is just their part, you know, what's on their heart is their part. And when you bring those things together, um, that's when you kind of get the whole picture of what the Lord is saying. And of course, I'm not saying you're supposed to take everything that somebody posts or says as, you know, directly from the Holy Spirit all the time. You got to judge everything. You got to test everything. But the Lord does speak specific things to His people, and the Bible says we all have a part, and we all know in part, we all prophesy in part. And so, I'm excited to share what I felt like the Lord has put on my heart for this year. Um. The title of today's podcast is The War at the Door. And I preached a message actually almost exactly a year ago at my friend Elijah Merle's conference, uh, Spirit Wind, in uh, Hollister. And uh, I preached a message called The War at the Door. And, of course, I went a little bit different direction in that message than I'm going to go today. But even last year, I felt like the Lord had started talking to me about this year. And I felt like the Lord had put a word on my heart for 2023, and I believe it was relevant. I believe it was something that was something that I needed um, in 2023, and it was a good word. Um, But even back then, I felt like the Lord put on my heart that 2024 would be the year of the open door. That's what I felt like had come up in my heart, was that 2024 would be the year of the open door. And what we're going to talk about is, this is actually twofold. Uh, and, And I'll read you a scripture and explain to you why it's twofold. But I believe that that is what's on my heart, and uh, I, I started to touch on it in the Verity Vitamins that we're going to be talking about talking about door jams, (laughs) and uh, I'm excited to get into this. I'll say this right off the bat. I'll just be transparent with you. You know, talking about the war at the door, um, I'm I'm kind of intrigued by even some of the resistance I encountered just endeavoring to sit down and record this podcast and to get into some of these things, because it's almost like uh, in order to sit down and talk about the war at the door, I experienced resistance to sitting down and and digging into this. And I believe there are some good things in this. I believe the Lord is going to bring some good things out of it by the help of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm excited to get into it. Uh, Let me pray and we'll we'll get into the podcast today. Father, we thank you 
uh, for this time of ministry. I thank you for your word, Lord. I ask that you would help me to minister fresh bread from heaven, Lord, the exact right words for right now. Lord, I thank you for your anointing. And I thank you, Father, that you always uh, speak to us a word in season, especially to those who are weary, what we need to hear, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Psalm 24, verse 7, it says this, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors. Now, this is one of the things that I felt quickened about uh, right off the bat was that uh, 2024 would be a year of the open door. And then I, I, was, I was drawn to Psalm 24, which, what is Psalm 24 about? It's about a door. <laughs> it's about an open door. It, he says, Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. The King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. What I find interesting about this passage is that it's actually describing an open door to the Lord. It's actually describing an open door to the glory of God. And this is something that we're going we're gonna to touch on and talk about, is not only the doors that God opens to us that we have to walk through in order to find His path and plan and purpose for our life and what He has for us, but also the doors that we open to Him in our life, the doors that we open to more manifestation of His presence and His glory, and doors of access that we actually give Him. This is twofold, and this is very important. This is the two elements that I believe we're going to talk about this month in talking about the open door. And we know that God has doors of opportunity for us to walk through, and there is more for us behind those doors of opportunity. There is more uh, anointing, there's more grace, there's more vision, um, but also he desires for us to open the door for him to manifest more of himself to us. And so what we're going to see is a theme about how there's more behind the door. I believe that's actually going to be the next message we're going to talk about is how there's more behind the door. There's more that he has for us when we go through the door that He opens to us, and there's more that He wants to bring in <laughs> when we allow Him into our life. We'll probably look at the Scripture at some point, but Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door to me, I will come in and dine with him. Well, I like to think about it this way. If Jesus is coming to dine with you, He's not expecting you to cook. <laughs> you know what I mean? He brought takeout with him. You know, he brought dinner with him. So he's trying to bring something in, something good. He he wants to come in and prepare a table before you. And so there's more that God wants to bring into our life, and it has to do with this open door. But the direction I want to go in this podcast is talking about the war at the door. 
You know, again, I mentioned I preached a message about this last year. There is a war that happens at doors of opportunity. There is resistance that comes not only against us when we are about to walk through an open door that God has put before us, but also a war that comes against us opening a door to Him. And this has to do with some of the things we've been talking about in the Verity Vitamins segment about door jams. The enemy wants to do everything he can to keep us from opening the door to God and giving Him access in our life. And the enemy can't close the doors that God opens to us. But a lot of times what he'll try to do is keep us from walking through them. And again, the enemy can't shut the door on God, but he can try to get us to shut the door. He can try to get us to, to not open the door to God. And so, uh, my foundation scripture for this, and this is what I went on before when I talked about this, is 1 Corinthians 16.9. And Paul said this, he said, For a great door, an effectual is opened unto me. And that's kind of King James. He said, a great and effective door is opened unto me. And there are many adversaries. So we see right here that Paul is saying that there's a great door and it's going to have a great effect on the kingdom of God. It's going to have a great effect on my life. But there's a lot of adversaries at the door. And this is something that I, I'm going to say this over and over again because I want to emphasize this to you. The enemy can't close the doors that God has opened, but he does try to keep us from walking through them. And some of the things that he will use to try and keep us from walking through the doors of opportunity that God has opened to us is fear, intimidation, temptation, <laughs> uh, emotion, financial pressure, uh, shame and condemnation is a big one that he uses to try and keep us from walking through doors that God has opened to us. And this is something that he knows he can't shut the door. But if he can get us to not walk through the door, it doesn't matter because there won't be any effect. The effectiveness of the door is, is moot because he got us to not walk through it. And obviously a great example of this is the Israelites in the desert. You know, God said, hey, um, I have given you this promised land. I, I've given it to you. He opened the door to them. But because of fear and intimidation, they refused to go through the open door that he had opened for them. And so many of them, the majority of them, did not enjoy what God had for them, the more that he had for them because they were too afraid to walk through the door. Look at this in Hebrews 10.38. It says, Now the just shall live by faith. You know, something I heard uh, this said recently, preaching faith is not the same as living faith. Preaching a faith message is not the same as living by faith. You know, um, just because I, I'm preaching a message about faith to you does not mean I have walked in perfect faith. I can tell you that right now I haven't. <laughs> I'm endeavoring to. I'm endeavoring to, to pass faith tests every day. I'm endeavoring to fight the good fight of faith every day. But listen, I, I don't claim to be somebody who's, who's always done that perfectly. 
And yet, I believe there's an anointing to preach these things. And we should all be endeavoring to come up and come out of where we've been. But living by faith is not the same as just preaching faith or talking about faith. We all have to make a decision that we're going to live by faith. And that's something that nobody else sees. That's something that other people can't always be a witness to. Uh, the biggest part of fighting the good fight of faith is between you and God and the choice to believe or to doubt. And so he said, the just shall live by faith, but if any man draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. He said, if any man draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Did you know God has a soul? <laughs> what does that mean? God is spirit. That's absolutely the truth. But God has a mind. God has a will. God has emotions. You say, well, Ben, does God have a flesh? Yeah. His name is Jesus. <laughs> the Bible says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so God can identify with us in every way. He can identify with the things we deal with. Now, the Bible says Jesus was tempted in every point, yet without sin. You see, Jesus had just as much flesh as we do, as we do, but He never let it dominate Him. He had the same emotions we have. He never let them dominate Him. And God the Father has emotions. And, you know, emotion is not a bad thing. The thing is that we want our emotions to line up with His emotions. We want our will to line up with His will. We want our mind to line up with His thoughts and His mind. He's given us the mind of Christ. And we want to, we want to let our emotion be sensitive to what His emotion is. I know there's a whole teaching in that I could get into. I won't take time to it right now, but uh, it's interesting. But He said, My soul shall have no pleasure in Him if He draws back, if He, if he shrinks back from what? from the open door that's in front of him. And he said that we're not of them who draw back, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So he mentions the soul twice in this verse. And I think there's a reason for that. I know there's a reason for that. <laughs> because one of the greatest places that the battle happens, that the war happens at the door, is in your soul. In, uh, in Proverbs 24.10, it says this, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. The Bible talks about how the strong spirit of a man will sustain him in infirmity or in trouble. Well, if you're too soul-dominated, <laughs> if, if your soul is too loud and your spirit is not loud enough, then you will find yourself more inclined to draw back many times. Because the enemy can bring war against your soul that he can't necessarily bring against your spirit. 
Does that make sense? Uh, we'll see this. We'll probably look at this in a minute. But Peter talked about uh, fleshly lusts that wage war against the soul. So there's a connection between the flesh and the soul, and there's a war that happens in those places. But one of the biggest reasons for that is a weak spirit. Because if your spirit is built up and your spirit is strong, then you're not, you're not going to faint easily <laughs> in the day of adversity. If your spiritual strength is not small, then you're not going to faint in the day of adversity. But if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small, but specifically, I believe it's your spiritual strength that is small. And other things are talking too loud. And you know, whenever the least little thing comes against you, and you moan, and you put your hand on your forehead and fall to the ground, what is that an evidence of? No strength, spiritually, no faith. And you know, again, it's easy to talk faith. It's even easy to preach faith until something hits you. Until you actually have to deal with something, until you actually have to overcome something. And you know, one of the biggest tests of faith is not how many verses you quote when a battle arises. It's not uh, how hard and fast you pray in tongues. There's actually three things I want to mention that I believe are an evidence of faith under pressure. And number one, it's not fainting. He said, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Not fainting when trouble comes against you. David said, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And he talked about not drawing back. So not fainting. Number two is not drawing back. And number three is staying at rest. And staying in peace. These are, these are things that are an evidence of true, genuine faith in the midst of a trial or a test. It's not about how loud you pray. It's not about, you know, even just, just how many sermons you watch or listen to. That's good because that's one of the ways you feed your faith. But an evidence of faith is not fainting under pressure, not drawing back when there's intimidation or fear coming against you, and staying at peace, staying at rest, keeping your cool, not letting things shake you and upset you easily, not letting the evil report shake you and upset you easily. Excuse me. And that's one of the greatest evidences of spiritual strength, is the ability to stay at peace and stay at rest. Look at this in a Isaiah 26, you're familiar with a part of this verse, most likely, but I want to read a little bit of context to this passage, and I found something interesting in it. In Isaiah 26, verse 1, it says, In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. So this is actually a song that Isaiah is talking about. And it can be a song, too, for you. If you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with different things, if you're dealing with fear... Um, this is a song that you can sing. And this is the song, he said, we have a strong city. You know, that's a good confession. <laughs> we have a strong city 
Salvation will God appoint for walls and for bulwarks. That's a King James word for, for fortress. And then it says this, Open the gates that the righteous nature, which nature, which the righteous nation, excuse me, which keeps the truth may enter in. Now, Jesus talked about if you have my commandments and keep them, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And he also talked about how it had to do with him manifesting himself to us. Well, it says, open the gates that the righteous nation, which keeps the truth, may enter in. And then he goes on to say, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. He said, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. This reminds me of what Isaiah 40 says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And everlasting strength has to do with something that doesn't end. Well, why would you be at peace? Why would you be at rest? Because you're waiting on Him, you're trusting in Him. But do you see it has a connection to this open door? He said, open the gates that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter in. And what is it that you're entering into? Well, Hebrews talks about he who believes enters into rest. So we see that coming into this place of peace and rest, what's it a result of? Keeping your mind stayed on him. There it is. See, this comes back to the soul. The war happens, a big part of the war happens in the soul. And a big part of the war that the enemy is going to bring against you to keep you from walking through the open door that God has set before you is in your soul and in your mind. Because if he can get your mind on a hundred other things, if he can get your mind consumed with things that are going to keep you full of anxiety and fear and worry and stress and all this stuff, if he can keep you from meditating in the Word of God day and night, if He can keep you from putting your mind on the Lord, fixing your mind on the Lord, then He can keep you from the pastures of peace. He can keep you from this place of perfect peace. He can keep you from walking through the open gate that leads to perfect peace. Why? Because of what's happening in your mind. And one of the big reasons why strength is small spiritually is because the mind is not stayed on Him. And the focus is not on Him. It's, it's a part of not abiding in Him. And you know, His strength doesn't run out. So if we're running out of strength, that's an evidence that we've unhooked. That we're, we're not keeping our mind on Him. We're not keeping our focus on Him. We're not abiding in Him the way that we should be. And this comes back to the soul when the mind is in the wrong places. It affects the emotions and it affects your will. You know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And maybe you, you need to do something, but you don't want to do it in your soul realm. Well, again, where's your mind at? Where are you fixing your mind? Where are you putting your mind? Is your mind stayed on him? Now, I'm not saying that you have to listen to sermons 24-7. I'm not saying that you have to be reading the Bible 24-7. I don't believe that's what it's talking about when it talks about keeping our minds stayed on Him. I simply believe it means we're always aware of Him. We're always mindful of Him. 
You know, the Bible talks about how God has been mindful of us. Well, we need to be mindful of Him. We need to acknowledge Him in all our ways and He'll direct our path. Whenever we find ourselves getting anxious and worried and concerned about tomorrow and how, how's this going to happen and where's this going to come from and what about this and what about that, that's an evidence that we're not aware of Him like we should be. We're not acknowledging Him like we should be. Because of an awareness of God brings confidence. An awareness of his, his hand upon us, his awareness of His help, the help of the Holy Spirit, the greater one on the inside of us, it brings us confidence. And so when we get anxious and we get worried and we get stressed, somehow we have stopped being aware of Him. We've lost our awareness of Him. We've, we've let our mind drift from Him. And you can see it because the soul starts to faint. <laughs> The soul starts to get weary and tired and complaining and all these other things. I'm going to take a drink real quick. Excuse me. Notice this in Luke 21, 19. Jesus says something about the soul. He says this. In your patience, you possess your soul. He said, in your patience, you possess your soul. Something that I felt like the Lord... Uh, impressed on my heart about this verse is that if it's your patience that causes you to possess your soul, then your impatience causes your soul to possess you. <laughs> I'll say that again. If your patience causes you to possess your soul, then impatience will cause your soul to possess you. And we know that patience is a fruit of the Spirit. So if patience is dominating, the spirit is dominating. But impatience is an evidence that your soul has begun to take authority over you. Your emotions have begun to take authority over you. Rather than you dominating your emotions, dominating your soul, dominating your flesh. And so many times people get the idea that they can't help what they're thinking about. They can't control what they're thinking about. And listen, we've all been there. We've all been in that place where we've, we felt like, you know, I, I can't get this thing off my mind. But the truth is that you do have the authority to, to take authority over your mind. And you don't have to continue to think on things that you shouldn't think on, that you don't want to think on. You do have the ability, but it takes you rising up rather than fainting. It takes you rising up and saying, no, I'm not going to continue to think on that. I'm not going to continue to focus on that. I'm going to choose to focus on this instead. I'm going to choose to meditate on this instead. And many people are in psychiatric units today because they believed the lie that they couldn't help what they were thinking on. But that's why the Bible tells us to meditate in the Word of God because we're not... We're not supposed to just try and take authority over our thoughts with our flesh. You understand? But what we do is we take authority over our thoughts with the Word of God. And by the Spirit of God. But he said it's in your patience. Patience has to do with endurance. Has to do with strength. But it has to do with not getting in a hurry. Not getting in a rush. Not being quick to change. Not being easily moved. 
And when patience is something that's dominating you, or when you are walking in patience, you are dominating your soul. So what happens when the enemy tries to wage war against your soul? If you are growing in and developing in patience, then a war in your soul won't keep you from walking through the door that God has opened to you. Do you see that? Now the enemy will try. And he'll do what he can to try and keep you, but he can't stop you if you will not be stopped, <laughs> if you refuse to stop. He can't stop you from going into the throne of grace, if you will. But he does do everything he can to try and discourage us and keep us from going in there. But he, he can't stop us if we make up our mind to go to the throne of grace. He will try to distract us. He will try to bring other things that keep us from doing that. Shame, condemnation, whatever the case is. But there's a reason why it's called the throne of grace. It's because you need some help. <laughs> and something that we see here in Jeremiah 17, verse 7, I'll read this to you. It said, blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreads out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat comes. You, you see the picture of be, because you're planted, you're rooted in the right things, there's heat, there's pressure, but you're not even seeing it. It's not affecting you like it is other people. Why? Because you're rooted, you're planted. And he said, Her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. This is a picture of somebody who's not moved, not shaken, not caused to diminish, not caused to, to stop bearing fruit. What's this talking about? Well, it talked about before this, cursed is the man that leans on the arm of flesh. Why? Because the flesh is weak. <laughs> Jesus told us that, that the flesh is weak. But when you're rooted in the right things, when your trust is in the Lord, when your expectation is in the Lord, it's being planted in something. It's being rooted in something that will cause you to endure some things, to have some patience, to have some ability to withstand some pressure. And I love that he says, you won't be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. You know, in my neck of the woods, a lot of the, uh, the things where I live, a lot of the businesses, it's what they locally refer to as the slow season because of how quiet things are. You know, the rest of the year, everything's kind of wild and crazy and tourists are here and there's all kinds of stuff going on. But uh, there's just that stretch where it's referred to as the slow season. And I actually kind of like it because there's no traffic <laughs> and it's kind of just chill and quiet. And, um, but for a lot of people, uh, it can also be a, a time where they get a little bit nervous financially. And I know this from, from personal experience in the past. I know this from talking to different people because there's not as much business and there's not as many things going on. And it's easy to think, oh, we got to brace ourselves for the slow season. 
And I want to encourage you, if, if that's something that you've experienced during the wintertime or whatever the case is, this is a good verse to stand on. I won't be careful in the year of drought. You could say in the slow season. <laughs> and I'm not going to stop yielding fruit. I'm not going to stop producing fruit. I'm not going to diminish because of the season. Why? Because I'm planted in something greater. And this is true, naturally, this is true of our soul. Look at this in Psalm 27. I mentioned it earlier. I'll read it to you now. Psalm 27, verse 3. It says, Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. He goes on to say in verse 13, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, why did David not faint? Because obviously he didn't faint. Well, he didn't faint because he believed. But why did he believe? He believed because he did the next verse. He says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Back to Isaiah 40, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They won't be careful in the slow season. They won't be nervous in the drought. They won't be anxious in the day of trouble. They won't faint from every little thing that comes against them. Why? Because they're planted, they're rooted, they're connected to something greater. Now I want to reemphasize this to you. The enemy can't shut the doors that God opens to us but he will try to keep us from walking through them. And the enemy can't shut the door to God having access in our life, but he will try to influence us to shut the door or to jam the door or to hinder God's ability to do what he wants to do in our life. And this is true of the door that has already been opened to us in Christ. I've talked about this a lot on this podcast, I've preached on it some other places, about the pasture that Jesus talked about in John chapter 10. I'll read that to you real quick. In John 10, 9, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall, shall go in and out and find pasture. What is pasture? Well, I believe this has to do with what's on the other side of that door, the open door that has been opened to us. I mean, Jesus said, I am the door. And that door has been opened to all mankind, but many people are not walking through it. Can Satan close the door? That is Jesus. No. Can he shut the door? That is Jesus that leads to salvation, that leads to access to the Father, that leads to um, being born again and a part of the family of God. Can Satan shut that door? No. But what's he trying to do every day? Keep as many people as he can from going through it. And, you know, um, there was a door that the Bible talked about with Noah. 
that there was a door on the ark that was open. And Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Um, there was a door that was open, and there was a season of time that people could come into that ark <laughs> and be safe. But there was also a time when that door shut. And, you know, there's a time coming when that door will be shut, and it will be too late for people. Whether they, they leave this life or whether, you know, the time on the calendar comes. There is a time when that door is going to shut and it will be too late for people. And that's a sobering thought. But that door is open right now. And as long as that door is open, nothing is stopping people from entering into the door but their own will, <laughs> their own soul, their own flesh. And the enemy is waging war against this to keep people from walking through that door. And it's a green pasture on the other side of it that is salvation. And, you know, a lot of times I'll wait till the end of a podcast to give a salvation uh, invitation. But I'll go ahead and just say this right now. Hey, if you've never given your life to the Lord, if you haven't um, surrendered yourself to Him, listen, I'm telling you, that door's open to you right now. Do not wait until the door is shut. Do not wait until you can no longer walk through that door, whether from leaving this earth or the time that that comes one day. Don't wait for that. Uh, that door is open. Um, don't let your mind, your will, and your flesh, your emotions keep you from walking through that door. Just set aside your questions. Set aside your doubts. Honey, just come through the door. <laughs> We'll talk about it later. If you haven't given your life to the Lord, I want to give you an invitation to do that right now and to express to Him, Lord, I, I, I want You. I desire You to be in my life. I, I, I want You to be the Lord of my life. I believe in You. I want what You have. I want salvation. And if you'll express that from your heart, if you'll tell Him that you believe in Him, if you'll invite Him in, if you'll open the door of your heart to Him, He said, I'll come in and dine with you. If you'll believe that He's the Son of God, that He rose from the dead, that He's the only Savior, you will be saved if you call on the name of the Lord. But the enemy doesn't only try to keep unbelievers from walking through the door. He tries to keep believers from walking through the open door to the pasture that God has for them, to the throne of grace where they get help, to the, the place of, of provision, to the place of rest that we talked about earlier. God has a promised land. God has a, a land that He wants to bring us into. But it doesn't happen automatically. We have to open the door to Him, and we have to walk through the door that He's opened to us. And uh, I want to talk for a few minutes about these doors that He has opened to us, these doors of opportunity. In uh, 1 Samuel 16, we'll read a, quite a bit here. It says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I'll send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, 
he'll kill me. <laughs> and this is something that a lot of people deal with, is when the Lord says, go here, they say, how? <laughs> how can I go there? You know, how can I afford to do that? How can, I, how can I do that without these people coming against me? How can I do that? And that's the response a lot of times. How, how can I do it? And notice that the Lord didn't say, oh, Samuel, that's silly. Saul's not going to try to kill you. No, <laughs> he wasn't wrong. You understand? He wasn't wrong about Saul trying to kill him. Saul killed some other people who were holy men of God. But the Lord gave him a strategy. And he said, take a, a, a cow with you, a heifer with you, and come sacrifice to the Lord. Say you're sacrificing to the Lord and call Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what to do. So this is kind of like a, it's kind of like a secret mission that God has Samuel on. It's kind of like a Tom Cruise double, or not 007, that's, that's James Bond, sorry. Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible kind of thing going on here. God has a, has a strategy. And you know, God has a strategy for your life. You know, you're not always supposed to just barge in and plunge into things. You're supposed to check and ask the Lord what He would have you do and how He would have you do things. David always inquired of the Lord. And I think some people miss this, is that God has a strategy. And just because you get the what doesn't mean you know the how yet. And you you got to seek the Lord and ask Him these things. But it says Samuel did what the Lord told him to do. And the elders of the town came to him, and they're like, are you coming in peace? And he said, I've come in peace. And uh, he called Jesse, and Jesse uh, brought his sons. And when Samuel saw Eliab, he said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. I can't not make it the joke. God said he's not, and my name isn't Shirley. That's my translation. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then uh, he called all the sons, and they came before him, and God said, I haven't chosen any of these. And Samuel said to Jesse, do you have any more children? And he said, I've got one. His name's David. He's out in the field. And he, they brought David in, and the Bible says that as soon as they brought him in, the Lord said to Samuel, arise and anoint him, for this is he. What I want to emphasize to you in this is that God opened a door to David by the anointing. I'm going to take a sip of water. God opened a door to David by the anointing. And this is some of where we're going to go the rest of this month and the messages to come is the connection that the anointing has to the door that God opens to us. God opened a door to David, but there was a lot of war that happened before David was able to walk through that door. There was a lot of war that came against him, and it couldn't be shut by man or by devil, but people did everything they could to keep him from walking through that door. And of course, there was some timing involved in it as well. But what I want to point out to you is that for David, the door of opportunity, talking about the doors of opportunity that God opens to us, something we need to really emphasize is that the crown wasn't the open door for David. And this is where we're going to go. This is just laying some foundation. The crown wasn't the open door. The anointing was. The crown was the natural side of it. 
But the open door was the anointing. I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to talk about this more this month. But the Bible talks about how in the Revelations, Jesus said, I hold the key of David. (laughs) What is the key of David talking about? Well, I believe it's referring to the anointing. And the anointing is what is the open door. And this is what the enemy is always trying to keep us away from, is the anointing. Not only is he trying to keep us to back off of the anointing and graces that are on our life and get distracted with other things, but he wants to keep us away from being around the anointing and feeding on the anointing and and being involved in anointed things. He doesn't want us around the anointing The natural opportunity is not the open door. The open door is the anointing. That's what man can't shut down. Man can't shut shut off the anointing. Now, a person can mishandle the anointing, and the Lord can withdraw it from them. But another person can't stop the anointing Uh, Satan can't stop the anointing, but he can get people to not use the anointing, to not walk through the door of the anointing, so to speak. You know, uh, the natural opportunity is just an opportunity for the anointing to work. Does that make sense? The anointing is the open door to accomplishing God's mission. Now, when I say that no man can shut down the anointing, the Bible does talk about um, hold fast that what you have that no man take your crown. And what does that have to do with? Uh, well, I believe that has to do with, I actually did a whole podcast on it called The Anointing and the Crown, and we got into that more, um, if you're interested in that. So I actually won't get into all that right now. If you, if you want to get more into that, go back and listen to that podcast. But ultimately, Satan has no power against the anointing. All he can do is try and distract us away from the anointing. And Goliath was an opportunity for David to use the anointing that he received in this passage. Do you see that? Goliath was not the war at the door. (laughs) Goliath was just an opportunity for David to use his anointing. The anointing was the access to, watch this, God's strength. Do you see that? What did we talk about earlier? waiting on the Lord and having your strength renewed, Him strengthening your heart. Why? In Jehovah is everlasting strength. This is the access to God's power, to God's strength that causes you to not faint. In divine strength and ability, that's how you accomplish God's purpose instead of trying to do it by the flesh. And when you know the anointing is working for you, your enemies become opportunities. (laughs) When you know the anointing is working in your life, your enemies become opportunities. And I'll say this, the spirit of faith mixed with the anointing sees an enemy as job security. (laughs) It's an opportunity for the anointing to work. Faith in the anointing. I'll read this to you. We're going to wrap up here. We're almost done. And uh, the next passage, 1 Samuel 17, talks about how David came and um, heard Goliath saying all the stuff that he was saying. And David uh, 
said, you know, I'm who who uh, who's going to deal with this guy? Why hasn't anybody dealt with this guy? And I'll skip down for time's sake. Um, it says Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, "Why did you come down here? And who did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness with? I know your pride and the naughtiness of your heart." For you've come down that you might see the battle. So he's accusing David. He's accusing him of pride. He's despising what David's been entrusted with, trying to make him feel little. And he's saying all these things against him to try and make him feel bad. And you know, when the anointing comes on you to do some things, uh, people can mistake it for arrogance sometimes. When a Boldness comes on you in the area that you're anointed in. Uh, people can mistake it for arrogance. And people can discourage you from stepping out boldly to do what God has anointed you to do. And the enemy, the, the, the trial, the test, whatever the case is, uh, it's not the, the trial that's the war at the door. It's all the things that try to keep you from doing what you're anointed to do. That's what I was trying to get out. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. It's not the, the natural trial that's the war at the door. That's just an opportunity for the anointing to work. It's all the things that try to discourage you and make you feel like you're not worthy to walk in the anointing. You're not worthy to speak to that. You, you can't speak to that sickness because you, you haven't been acting right. You haven't been doing this right. You haven't been doing that right. It's the things that try to steal your confidence in the anointing. That's the war. It's really not the sickness that's the major war at the door of opportunity. That's just, that's just an opportunity for the anointing to work. If you'll mix faith with the anointing, sickness doesn't stand a chance. If you'll mix faith with the anointing, poverty won't stay that way. If you'll mix faith with the anointing, you'll overcome every time. But it's all the things that try to keep you from the anointing. It's all the things that try to distract you from doing what you're called and anointed to do. It's all the things that try to intimidate you away from operating in a, the, the boldness of, of the anointing and speaking by the anointing and operating in that thing. Those are the things that are the real war at the door. It's trying to keep you from operating in that place. And why, why, would, you be, why would you be so timid? Because you haven't been abiding in the vine. You haven't been waiting on the Lord. You hadn't kept your mind stayed on Him. And everybody has an Eliab that tries to discourage them from doing what they're anointed to do. Tries to bring accusation against them and, and, and make them feel like they're not worthy. And they can't do what they're anointed to do. But see, that's the war. It's the thing that comes against your, your soul and your mind and your flesh to try and keep you from stepping out and doing what God has anointed you to do. Amen. Uh, we're just about done here. Um, I'll, I'm going to read to you uh, this really quickly in 2 Timothy 4, 14. It says, uh, Paul's talking, he said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You must also beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. Now, is there ever an appropriate time to warn somebody else of somebody? <laughs> Would that not be love to do that? 
Well, it, it could be love toward the other person. And you want to be led about these things. I might get into that subject another time. But Paul said, you need to beware of this guy. He said, at my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. So what's Paul talking about? Doing what he's anointed to do. And he said the Lord stood with him and strengthened him so he could fully preach the message that God has anointed him to preach. What's he doing? He, he is relying on God's strength to walk through the open door of opportunity and to do what he's anointed to do. And he goes on to say, also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. I love that. You know, David told Saul when he went to go fight Goliath, the Lord delivered me from the mouth of the lion and from the mouth of the bear, and he will deliver me from this Philistine. David wasn't worried about the lion or the bear or the Philistine. Why? Because he had faith in the power of God. He was relying on a greater strength than his own strength. But see, the thing that so often tries to keep us from walking through that door of opportunity is not relying on the Lord, not finding our strength from Him, and allowing the enemy to wage war against our soul, to keep us from stepping into the things that God has called us to do, to keep us from the anointing to keep us from doing what we're called and anointed to do. This happened to Jesus. You know, uh, you look over in Luke 4, I won't take time to read it all, but this happened to Jesus. He was, uh, he was tempted in the wilderness, and it was right after the Holy Spirit had come on him and the anointing had come on him. And first the enemy tried to tempt him. He tempted him in the flesh. He tempted him with the pride of life. He tempted him to test God. He did all these things, and Jesus responded with the Word. And not just the Word, though, the anointed Word. You know, I heard this, uh, my father in the faith, Brother Keith Moore, said this, you know, the enemy can try to use the Word of God out of context. And he did this with Jesus. He quoted Psalm 91 to him, but Jesus came back with, it is also written. It's not just about knowing what the Bible says in general. Obviously, it's all good and true and right. But it's about knowing what the Word is for right now. What's the anointed Word for right now? Because the enemy will try to use things out of context and misapply the Word of God. That's why the Bible tells us to, to rightly divide the Word of truth. But you've got you to gotta know what the anointed Word is for right now. And Jesus overcame the temptation because of the anointed word. And right after that, he went into the synagogues and he preached Isaiah chapter 61. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. But the Bible says that they, they said, who does he think he is? Is, is this not the carpenter's son? <laughs> did we not grow up with him? What did they do? They, they despised him. They were, they were Jesus' version of Eliab. Who, who does he think he is? But the Bible says that when they came to him and, and they actually were going to throw him off a cliff because they were so angry, it says that 
He just passed through the midst of them and went his way. And right after that, it says he went and healed the sick and preached the glad tidings of the kingdom. Well, he didn't allow all the voices of accusation and all the all the things that were trying to come against him. He didn't allow it to keep him from doing what he was called and what he was anointed to do. And this is the thing that I'm talking about. You've got to find your strength in something greater so that when the war comes against your soul, you're not overwhelmed. So that when the war comes against you in the natural, that you're, you're rooted to something greater and you're hooked to something greater. The anointing gives you confidence. And if you'll abide in the vine, your strength won't be small in the day of adversity. You won't faint. Why? Because you're relying more on the Spirit than you are your flesh. And we must not allow anything to keep us from walking through the door that God has opened to us. We must not allow the enemy to keep us from opening the door to the blessing and the anointing of God in our lives. And how do we do it? We keep our mind stayed on Him. We keep our mind focused on Him. We wait on the Lord, and we don't draw back from doing what we're called and anointed to do. We don't draw back from doing what He has commissioned us to do. And we're not relying on our own strength to do it. We're relying on Him to do it. This doesn't mean that your strength comes from your service to the Lord. No, your strength comes from your relationship with the Lord. But... Let me say it to you this way. The doors that God opens to us are motion activated. <laughs> you know, I was at a gate recently going into a gated community, and when you leave the gate going out, you got to pull right up to that gate to get that gate to open. And the doors that God opens to us, God has already given us the access to go through, but they're motion activated. You got to draw near. You know, he said in James chapter 4, if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. Well, these things are motion activated. When those Israelites stepped into the Jordan, the Bible says, as they stepped into the Jordan, the Jordan parted. And so we can't allow intimidation and fear to keep us from doing what God has called us to do. It's as you step into it by faith that the doors will open that the access will open to you. The anointing will cause the waters to part. Amen. But Hebrews tells us that people, the Israelites didn't enter in because of unbelief. We must not let unbelief, we must not let fear and intimidation, we must not allow shame and condemnation to keep us from walking through the doors of opportunity that He has placed in front of us. I hope you got something out of this today. This has been the No Content Podcast. I'm excited to get into more of this this month. I hope you're having a great 2024 so far, and um, I'd encourage you to stay tuned to what we're going to be talking about. Uh, Thank you for clicking play, and I will talk to you next time. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you, He loves everyone else, and please don't forget to feed the ducks.